You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 455, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Nick Schwaderer. Hi, listeners. So we wanted to kick off the show today to talk about a very important topic. Now, we haven't addressed this yet because we had pre-recorded some episodes in December. And so I know that Nick, our co-host, had a very special relationship with Chris Seaton. And so we wanted to talk about that at the top of this episode. Nick, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you so much, Brittany. And yeah, folks, I think we've got a good reputation in this community with various podcasts talking about things that aren't easy. I think Remote Ruby's been so good at spearheading that. And just wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Seaton. So first, what I'll talk about is just for some of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with Chris. And then I just want to selfishly as a co-host talk about what Chris meant to me. First off, if you haven't heard of Chris Seaton, just go on a Google deep dive today. He's one of the titans of the Ruby community. And unfortunately, I'll just say we've lost him recently. And there's a lot of good tributes out there. Aaron Patterson, Justin Searles, Brandon Weaver, my team, the Ruby and Rails infrastructure team has a post. You can find that with Mike D'Alessio's Twitter, Flavor Jones. I think there will be a permalink with that soon. Chris did so many things. He lived here in the UK. He was known as the doctor of Ruby, even though like that's not specifically what it is, but he had a PhD in Ruby and he inspired so many people. He literally like straight into the community. He invented an app that became the first licensed as a medical device app in the UK, which has helped people to quickly calculate the amount of fluid the patient needs when they come in with burns. It's called Mercy Burns. It's still going today. It's still used by medical professionals. He's got lots of contributions. I can't do it all here that we have the formal release. He's most known as well for Truffle Ruby. As a person, he's known for the endless talks and conferences he's spoken at and his kindness. And even though if you knew him from reading about him on the internet, he seemed like the most brilliant person you could ever think of. Anyone who's met him, and you've met him and Brittany, and I know Jason and Drew Bragg and a few others who talk about, they got to see him in quite a small environment at Sin City Ruby. Just so personable. First time I ever saw him in person, and there's a picture up of that, he just literally said in his English accent, shall we get some beers? You know, like just so normal at the same time. And he also is very involved in the Cheshire Yeomanry, as I believe that, I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe squadron leader and his work in the service in the army. And what he meant to that. So he meant so much to so many communities. His impact will never be forgotten. And like his work with Truffle Ruby, it's just everyone I know looked so far up to Chris. And as an archaeologist, something that I've looked over in the history of Ruby, there would be people whose name I see so much, but I know at some point the community lost them. I guess for me, this is the first time that I was here when it happened. So we talk about like Jim Weirich. And some of the others who the community lost over the years, Ezra, Zygmuntowitz, things like that. But I'd like to selfishly talk about Chris and myself as well. And by the way, it's been hard for our team. It's been hard for some of us in the community because this hit differently and different relationship with Chris. In fact, I did not work directly with Chris. I did not work on Truffle Ruby. So everyone who worked with him on Truffle Ruby has years and years, up to eight years, day to day working with Chris. People on the Ruby side of Ruby and Rails infrastructure were pairing with him on their projects all the time. But very weirdly, I went from admiring Chris for nearly eight years of my career 
to not only being at the same company as Chris, but being in the same team as Chris. And then just by that, and because I've been very lucky the last year or two to speak at a lot of conferences, go to a lot of conferences, and my work's been good about supporting that. I've not spent more time with anyone at Shopify than Chris. None of us are trying to play like, who's got more of grief here? But it's just a situation where I didn't realize how I just get to know Chris as a person. And that last week, those who made it to RubyConf Houston, he was there his last week with us. And it was so difficult because every night you'd see him all day, you'd see him all night. And I can literally tell you the things he was teaching me that week. He explained, I know nothing about fonts. He's explaining to me about ligatures. And he was explaining, why would you spend thousands of pounds on the font? And he's sitting there with his phone open, showing me this amazing like QU ligature and like on a document that he was typesetting and going through like stuff that happened at RubyConf 2014. And we were looking up speakers on that. And he's just endlessly educating people. And I think that was the experience that, that everyone had as he was such an open person. He never, he had the most right to look down on people for, mm-hmm. with his intelligence at work, but he's more humble than me. Like I definitely fall afoul of possibly thinking more of myself and he never did. He'd even just say, compilers aren't hard. Let me explain to you why. And he would expect the best out of you. And he would talk all the way to your understanding and never, ever judge you. If he ever gave me a hard time, it was banter. So like when he got the M1 laptop before me, he was like, what are you doing with that hunk of junk to my laptop? Right. But it was all that kind of banter. But he never was like, oh, you don't know that. And he was just such an incredibly kind individual. I'm just trying to give my testimony of Chris and some of these things, because I think it's good to just talk about these people and everyone sharing their stories, their tweets and their memories. And anyway, I'll never forget Chris. And that kind of, I don't know if you want to say anything, Brittany, but that kind of transitions me into a little bit of Ruby related stuff I've been working on lately that I'd love to geek out, but I don't want to like rant for the whole 30 minutes here. No, Nick, there is a point that I want to make here. And that is I had interacted with Chris at different conferences, but he absolutely intimidated me. And so I have gone through so many emotions around this loss. And I think the key one for me is regret. There are certain people in the community who I just perceive as so powerful and so smart that it doesn't even occur to me to approach them and be friends with them just because I just see them as just like these titans, as you said, in the Ruby community. And that is no more. This is a valuable lesson for me because you can talk about your experiences with Chris and I don't have them. And I regret that because he truly was a special person. And so I'm resolved this year to reach out to folks that have always intimidated me. And I'm not saying that you should always be getting a lesson out of this, but in this case, I have. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people have done thinking over the Christmas period about a lot of things. One for me, it's weird. Some people can make it selfish, but like, what do you want out of your career and what are you doing? Because so much of what I aspired to, Chris, Chris was everything. I don't want to get too philosophical here, but you are right. People are definitely approachable. You know, the thing, Brittany, as well, like in our own tiny way, it's you and I, we're just normal people. We talk on a podcast a bit and I've been at a conference and like someone was happy to say hi to me once who I'd never met. And they said something about like, so they probably have some because it's who you observe. So we observe Chris so much and it's just like, wow, another like canonical thing has come down from Chris. Better not bother him because everyone's bothering him. And I think I'm not, obviously it's not like we should all 
We're not all going to harass everyone. I think if you're nervous now, even just from home, I bet you can send an email. Like I sent an email today to someone I'd never messaged before because I was too nervous. Similar to you, Brittany. I'm like, I think like, didn't Dave Thomas have this notorious thing? Like if you emailed him, he would email you back. Oh and, yeah. And Justin Searles tried that out and he did email him back. So like, yeah, I think that's a great takeaway, Brittany. And I'm just so grateful for what we had with Chris and I'm grateful for the time and I won't soon forget him. So that kind of takes me to, if you want to go on, it's really- Yeah, I want to hear about all your experiments with Truffle Ruby because I've really been enjoying your tweets about it. Thank you. So that was the other thing is I was like, what's a way that you can honor someone and their work? And I'm like, well, I don't know everything, but I am an interested and curious Rubyist. So, and I have a couple people Maybe some people who follow me may not know what I know about one thing. So I just thought, let's just use some Truffle Ruby. So I married like five. Do you know when you're coding and like there's like things, oh, I got to do this sometime. Oh, I got to do this sometime. And it oh, just yeah. builds up in your brain. So anyway, I did like killed six birds with like one stone on this. So stone number one. All right, folks, I'm going to hit you with all of it. Heroku, I'm very grateful for what they've done over the years. There's been some difficulty with that service with regards to hobbyist coding. So after 15 years, they no longer have like a proper way to freely deploy applications, even on like sleep mode. Like my Heroku bills more than doubled. I have like 80 apps on there. And something I've been thinking of is like, where can I safely put my work? Another thing that I'm aware of is our good friend, Chris Oliver with GoRails has hashbox.io. And has lobbied, you can pay for a server and you could give it all the responsibilities on one server and then just put as many apps as you want there. So first off, I set up Hatchbox.io. Thank you, Chris, for doing that. It was quite easy to set up. This isn't an ad. I'm recommending it. I really like the idea that you can have many apps on there. It's so geared towards people with Rails and small business or hobbyist kind of work. It's just like creating a server, creating an app. It's all REST. It's all RESTful routing, like back ethos, CRUD. But with, oh, I want another Postgres database, please. Click. Oh, can you hook that up to that app? Click. So I got that going and I'd first transition my a personal app I've been using for five years to Hatchbox. Worked straight away. And see, Brittany, the number one reason as well is like, if anything was wrong, I know I could DM Chris. Yes. That's um, huge. As someone who is a Rails support engineer for a dead hosting service, I know how important that is. Exactly. And I'd rather give him my business because like right. as well, because it's like, if you're trying to make this, why would I go to a billion dollar company? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Honey Badger. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many different ways for startups to lose money. Downtime shouldn't be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That is every single minute. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at honeybadger.io with plans starting at free. Link is in the show notes. So then how does this link in with Truffle Ruby work and stuff? Deploying onto that and something I'm starting to work on is I was like, I'd love to like noodle with Truffle Ruby, but more than just, and folks go on to Ruby and I don't know how you do your Rubies, but you could go on to Ruby install, install it, 
And then Cherubi, however you pronounce Cherubi, C H Ruby, change Ruby. I like Cherubi and just Cherubi in. And if you want to really use it, so I'm fortunate to be close, like know some of the other Truffle Ruby teams. So I've been asking for their tips, but get the one with the Graal VM. So Truffle Ruby plus Graal VM. And then when you run your Ruby command, do hyphen hyphen JVM to get all the treats and benchmark and see what runs faster, what runs slower. And, and what's cool about this is I'm going in, Brittany, not as a trying to be a maintainer, but trying to be a consumer. I don't have to have opinions or knowledge about internals. It's like you can use Rails and not know anything about the internal framework. So I've been playing around with that. And then I was like, what's something that I could build with Truffle Ruby? Well, let's optimize for speed. What's something that would be cool to have speed? And I was like, well, Rhoda also has an ethos around speed for web development. Uh, Jeremy Evans wrote is the URL. So I was like, let's match these together. Let's see if they're good friends. Now, what thing? Because I learn the best when I right, am building actually something I might use. So I'm like, well, what about a read-only JSON API? Like if you're just trying to give at JSON level access of data to the world, but hopefully really quickly, lots of reads, lots of requests. That's what I've started to do. So I've set this up. It's not done. It's just being put together. So it's Truffle Ruby, Rhoda, JSON, read-only API. I think it's a by private repo, but I've called it Truda. Truffle Ruby and Rhoda in case it's like a repeatable thing. So Truda. Yeah, so I've just started building endpoints. I've got it deployed. Chris is working on getting Truffle Ruby support into Hatchbox IO. By the way, I'm not committing you, Chris. It's just you've said on Twitter, it should be easy to do. So if he doesn't <laughs> do it, that's fine. And I've also been pairing with Kevin Menard also on the Truffle Ruby team and like tweeting about it. And Benoit from Truffle Ruby has been tweeting back. They're just like, how do I get this set up? How can I best leverage Truffle Ruby and just benchmark it? You know, kind of hacking like the other teammates have really good benchmarks. So I've been stealing them. So Widget Bench in general is quite a nice bench to bench Ruby thing. So if you go Shopify slash Widget hyphen bench. And yeah, honestly, Brittany, it's been really in this new year. It's made me feel good because like I'm getting to like, as a coder, shine a light on some of Chris's work and tooling and also two Chris's at this point and also learn, you know, that part of your brain where like, if you've been feeling burnt out at work, which I haven't been, but the part when you get a spark and you're almost hyper and you're just having a lot of fun and breaking things. So I'm definitely in that state right now with Truda. So I have a bunch of questions for you. Go for it. So later today, we'll be hosting the Hanami panel. And in Hanami 2.0, they are now relying on Rhoda, I believe, as an option. I have many questions for the core maintainers around this. But what is your experience around Rhoda in general? Because I hear such good things about it. But if you ask most Rubyists, they probably couldn't tell you right off the bat what it is. So for anyone who's listening who has absolutely no idea what Rhoda is, could you explain it to me like I'm five? So to your first question about like usage or knowledge, you know, API only people might reach for Grape. I've not used Grape, but I've like Mm -hmm. heard it. Hanami has, I think, quite a big community and support. It's almost like when people bail and they want to go lightweight, they go Sinatra. We've got our, I don't know how old it is, but Constantine's book on Sinatra. And it is, if you look at it, it actually is quite quick to spin up. I hope, Jeremy, do not condemn me. If you know Routes.rb in a Oh, yeah. So imagine if you like just had that be your app to start. How far could you strip that down? What if you wanted to write your Ruby in routes.rb? So no, forget there's no resources, like none of that. You have your file and you're literally thinking of it because that's where you always start. You're like, where in the route tree is this request going to hit? 
are you handwriting it get slash slash this to this controller? Well, instead of doing to this controller, what if you're just writing the Ruby in there and just as stripped as it can during like the 2008, 2014 time in Ruby, there was a lot of interest in modularity, like with Merb, our spec still has this, you know, like there's different things you can bolt in if you want them. Rhoda has a lot of those too. I can't remember them all, but it is like, if you want to start out fast and lightweight, you can have like nothing and just do like, I, don't, I can't even remember this, like Rhoda app do, and then it uses syntax like on blank do or is blank do. And then you can specify for get and post requests. And it's really just geared towards starting with the route tree and being as, as light as possible. But then, of course, it's Ruby. You can do whatever you want with it. You can expand it out as far as you want. But what I know with Jeremy is it got a great maintainer. Everything here does. So I trust that. And again, I think I would be happy DMing Jeremy. And I also know that he is very proud of the speed that it has. So I know that performance will always be a first-class citizen with Rhoda. So yeah, give it a try. If you go to rota.com or whatever the URL is, you might find it a bit intimidating. Just look for their Hello World app and then just play around with it yourself. So right now I'm for my benchmarking Truda, like I have one endpoint that is just like a 200 request. And then I'm going to have one that's like a string and then one that's like parse JSON and then one that's like SQL light or something or SQL. And it's pretty cool. I'd definitely say reach for it and give it a try. Let me know what you think. I think it's awesome that Hanami's Tying in with it, I did not know about that. So I'm excited for the pan. Okay, so I have more questions. And some of them might be obvious, but I've got you here, Nick. So I'm going to ask them. So if I use Truffle Ruby, can I use the existing gem ecosystem or is it an entirely different set of gems? Like, how does that work? Yes, you absolutely can. If you go into your terminal, and I love these questions, Brittany, keep them coming. Like I ask even more ELI 5 to like senior staff people at my org and they've not yelled at me yet. It's like, I'm like, what do I type in the terminal? Can I do this on a Mac? Like, so yes. So I'm just going to pretend if you have Ruby installed in Cheruby, but this works on anything. Like I think even RVM still like going or ASDF or whatever. But yeah, Ruby install, whatever it says, like Truffle Ruby plus GraalVM hyphen 22.3.0, Cheruby that. And then you're just in. You still have to do like, you're in a fresh environment. So gem install, benchmark IPS, gem install, no Kogiri, and it will just work. The only thing that I'll have to check with Kevin and Benoit, the question is the latest version, like obviously it's fast, but always I'm trying to find the right terminology for what they're aiming for with Ruby. So it would say it's like 3.0.3. And I think that means that it passes the spec for 3.0.3. So if you're writing syntax for 3.0.3 it'll pass but like i've not had any gems fall over that i've installed at all so i'd love to learn more about how they chase ruby because of course in different versions you have things introduced like pattern matching and things like that that they then have to support so i'm interested in learning more about that i'm a noob i'm just doing it as a kind of like you like and then just sharing my thoughts which i think is quite fun this episode is sponsored by JetBrains RubyMine. RubyMine is an intelligent cross-platform IDE that provides all essential tools for Ruby and Ruby on Rails developers out of the box. It offers smart code completion and analysis, easy code navigation, safe automated refactorings, an interactive debugger, 
Git workflow support, database integration, and many other tools. All tools are integrated together in a highly customizable, productive, user-friendly environment. To get a special 20% discount for the listeners of the Ruby on Rails podcast, just enter the discount code RAILSPODCAST during the purchase. You can apply this discount to JetBrains All Products Pack and use IDEs of your choice. Link will be in the show notes. Thanks to JetBrains for sponsoring the show. Okay, my last question on this, and this is really a hot take, Nick. So if you're building an app in Truffle Ruby and Rotos, you're not using Rails. How do you feel about installing gems that you're very used to having access to in Rails, like Active Record, Active Support? Is that dirty or do you actually like reaching for them? Well, this is the Ruby on Rails podcast. So to keep our stipend coming in, I have to say, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. There is none of that. Yeah, I like reaching for things. It'd be interesting to benchmark. I don't really benchmark performance. If I add a gem, does this affect my performance? I'd be interested in that. But like, yeah, listen, when I do Rails new, I never do hyphen hyphen like skeleton or hyphen hyphen skip this. I always Rails new with everything because the amount of value I get out of not having things I don't care about. It's like, but you never use action mailer. I don't care. I'm too lazy to type hyphen hyphen skip action mail. So similarly, I'm okay with adding things. So if you want to do Rota and you're like, man, I want all these active support things. I want to use active record. Do it. Use active record. You don't have to use SQL, which is another S-E-Q-U-E-L that Jeremy maintains, which I'm going to try to use. You can, Yeah, throw an active record. Throw in active support. Why not? And yeah, because a lot of how I think modern Ruby flavor, a lot of it does kind of expect active support syntax. Like, do you remember that quiz? Is this Rails or Ruby? And like, even even Matt's got a few wrong. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. Well, before we move to our next topic, I wanted to bring over a thread from episode 452. And in that episode, Gemma and I wondered why MRI Ruby is usually published on Christmas Day. And so I reminded her that we have an archaeologist as a co-host. And so I'm curious, Nick, do you happen to know the answer to that? So there's some Japanese discussion. In fact, literally my main interest in picking up Japanese, which I've fallen away on, would be just to participate in the community or be like Google Translate's not good enough. But luckily, I do have teammates who a decent number who are either first language or fluent in Japanese. So we get to be like, hey, this is what they're talking about over here. And I'm just going to paraphrase, but there was a thread in, I believe, Japanese committer discussion in the last, what, couple of months when Christmas was coming up. Like, why do we do this? (laughs) Why do we publish on Christmas? I'm not sure. And then people were debating kind of the benefits. So like there's the benefit of, well, everyone's off. So like if you're really into Ruby, it gives you a chance to play with it like on your own time. Think about the olden days when people didn't get loads of flexi time and stuff. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, happy Christmas. Here's a Ruby. Before we even worried about work-life balance, you're like, yeah, Christmas Day, playing with Ruby. That was a theory. Matt's didn't chime in on it. You know, something that wasn't said that I think is a good one is rememberability. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of days you can pick, but everyone's kind of checked out of work. So they're not obsessed with uh, usually like for people that observe the holiday and are off, right? Like some people work. So it's like, we all remember, all of us remember, oh, it's Christmas, the new Ruby, Christmas, the new Ruby. Whereas if it was like the second Tuesday in October, maybe it'd be less memorable. But yeah, so the official archaeologist position, my professional reasoning around this is there has not been a formal statement on this date. 
there might be a Ruby talk possibly in Japanese from like 1999, but I haven't gone like that deep. But yes, there's not a formal statement on that, Brittany, but it's a good one. It's something that I'll keep looking into, though. But yeah, if even, Matt ends up chiming in on that thread, you'll have to bring it back to the show because, I mean, he must know of all people, right? Yeah, of course. I think it's really interesting. It's like one of the curiosities, whether it's a holiday that you observe or not, it is a curiosity of Ruby that December 25th is the day. People know it and it's part of it. I think part of the discussion was like, well, we could just not release it on Christmas. Like, I think people are open to doing different things in Ruby, but it came out on Christmas, I believe. I actually okay. wasn't looking at my code on that day. So <laughs> good for you, Nick. We like work-life balance, which actually is the perfect segue into our final topic. So you had pointed out to me that Shopify has been in the news. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, giving us a little bit of that news bulletin and like your reaction to it, that would be fabulous. 100%. First thing I'll say is it's one of these things that is a thing, but it's not quite a core value. It's, a, it's like ethos maybe which is default to public internally, private externally. So yeah. it's just kind of like internally, like we're really wide with permissions, chat. We don't silo people. But then externally, it's like, yeah, but don't go leak. It's, to be fair, people were late leaking to newspapers anyway. I've talked to people on my team. I'm always nervous to talk about my org because I remember when Sage Griffin worked at Shopify, Sage would just literally say things on the Bike Shed podcast. Yes, we have 40 runners on the Shopify, Shopify running these. And I'm like, I wouldn't feel comfortable. But anyway, <laughs> TLDR, because the company has made public statements on this and people are talking about it, I feel comfortable talking about it a little bit. Yes. So we were in the news first day back and all the calendars deleted, except for like maybe one-on-ones. And then anything like over three people recurring was deleted. There's been a move over to new tooling. I think this is public. It moved over to Workplace by Meta and the Slack, all the big chat Slack channels are gone now. And it kind of done it as a chaos monkey. And one thing that I have to say I appreciate is if you're going to do radical changes to tooling, instead of doing like the waterfall, over the next 18 months, we will be transitioning <laughs> to a new way to communicate at Shopify. Learn more about it in this handbook. It's like delete, take on the heartbreak and the app, because there are like Slack channels I'm heartbroken about losing. Take on the heartbreak, take on the pain. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Let's go. And in good faith, as an engineer, try and figure this out. And I have been doing that. This is week two. I do kind of like, you know, that thing about and anyone who's lost their home. I'm not saying this lightly, but you've heard about people who've survived a home fire, sometimes having a weird wave of relief after because yes. like, I know it's a terrible, terrible thing. But similarly, like by this week, being stripped of all these Slack channels and all these e calendar events and things, I have felt a surge of like interest and curiosity. It's kind of like starting a new job feeling too. How do I want to engage with work? How do I want to engage with others? How do I want to communicate with others? How do we want to communicate our work to a 10,000 person organization? And what's terrible and what's good? But like, if I just sit around and say that a change is terrible, that's my right. But it takes me out of the discussion to like learn and grow. So I'm not really assessing whether it was the right move because it's the move that's happened. So I read somewhere and I thought this was really important that making policy changes is really important. But a core component of that is saying we're going to make this policy change, but we're also going to set a date as to when we are going to reflect back and see if it was the right thing to do. And so I read in one of the articles that you had sent me that Shopify said, like, after a couple of weeks, they're going to look backwards and say any of the meetings that we got rid of 
are we missing it? Do we need to bring it back and why? I think that's so important. And then selfishly, Nick, I am so curious if they wrote a script in Ruby in order to delete all those meetings because they must have used some sort of custom logic, right? To figure out what needed to go. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. At some point in the day, there's a background job going, I assume. There is code that I don't have access to, like compensation stuff and whatever. But yeah, just like when it was my turn in the in the queue, I was in a, not a meet, but a pairing session. I just started hearing on my phone and it was just every channel. Chaos Monkey has removed you. Chaos Monkey has removed you. And then we are all removed. And I got to tell you, I've even written whole Rails apps that rely on integrations with Slack and stuff. So like it is properly a big move. Listen, a couple of years ago, they did the calendar thing. I think that was public too. I am someone who's quite flexible and open to change while admitting that it's like hard. I think I'd rather be at a company that did it this way, even if they got it wrong once in a while, Mm because I've been at companies that don't change anything where you're like on the same team and same manager and all the tooling never changes. So we'll see. We'll let you know. So there will be reflections. I'm sure maybe Toby or Kaz or somebody will post publicly what they think because they can't just go out and tell everybody without saying how it's going. So y'all get to hear. And I would encourage people who haven't had to go through a chaos monkey, you don't have to do it, but maybe look at your calendar and look, maybe we could do a different podcast episode about this sometime. Have a think about how you want your maker time to be and what it means to you and what your recurring rituals are like and maybe what can be deleted. I'm not going to lie to you, Nick. I took the article that you sent to me and sent it to my boss with just a thinking face. It is not the worst idea in the world. I am not a huge proponent of meetings just to have meetings. I'm not a proponent of people being in meetings while doing work. Like, what's the point of having the meeting? But when you come back on the show, I am dying to know what Workplace by Meta is like, because I've never even seen the UI. So next time you're on, I'm going to need a full review. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Have you used Facebook before? (laughs) I deleted my Facebook three years ago. I know, me too. But I've definitely taken advantage of being able to post on someone's wall like it's 2005. (laughs) you would you're such a fun person i am not surprised by this at all it's like hey how's it going it's so weird but it's in there but yeah of course yeah i'll definitely if it's allowed i definitely don't think it's that bad to talk about so yeah okay awesome well nick it is always so great to catch up with you thank you so much for bringing your thoughts about chris seaton it's so important that we talk about things like this and your adventures in truffle ruby and yeah just always a joy to talk to you nick and we'll talk to you soon thank you so much cheers You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.